Welcome to the Dance Centre podcast. I am your host, Claire French, and I'm joining you from the traditional unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish and Tsleil-Waututh peoples, also known as Vancouver, Canada. I'll be talking to dancers, choreographers and other members of the dance world here on the West Coast to find out more about their creative work and practices and to discuss what it means to us to be dance professionals today. Thanks for joining us. I'm talking to Yvonne Chatrand, or Chatrand, depending on how you want to say it. Not that I said it that differently <laughs> that time between the two. Yvonne is Artistic Director of Company Vinnie Dancy and the Louis Rio Metis dancers. And I'm talking with Yvonne at this time, particularly because of a presentation that's going to be happening at the Dance Center in June, very close to when this podcast will actually, when you will be hearing this podcast, listeners, very close to that. It's just nice as we're in this space. Yeah. Watching you do that. Thank you. Acknowledge our ancestors and give thanks for everything that has come before us and everything that's given to us now and everything for the future generations, seven generations ahead of us. And uh, yeah, just have this smudge going while we have a little conversation and bring our ancestors in to help guide us and is it um is it sage or um yeah i've got some either? sage and, and a bit of uh tobacco that ah. uh, i feel is important to connect with the uh the plants and the animals spirits and the plants and themselves yeah it's uh it, it's kind of one of the most amazing teachings that i've gotten in the last while while, while working on libitin dimitrif mm-hmm. and uh and it was uh, an elder, Alana Young, from uh, the Medic- Medicine Collective at UBC. And uh, that's one thing that she shared was that it was the animals and the, the plants and the animals that that um, came up with the idea of offering tobacco so that the humans can speak with them and communi- have that communication. So it's just something that... Um, you know, something that I've always used, but something that I didn't realize that came from the plants and the animals themselves. So I just feel really connected to that teaching now. (laughs) Oh, gosh, I'd love to know more about how that how that interaction or like sense of offering or invitation came to be realized. Well, in the early days when, you know, like, when I started to learn about different um, plant medicines and and uh, picking plant medicines, you know, my teaching was to offer always offer tobacco because you never take anything without giving anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. so that practice I started with many, many years ago. And then it just really made sense it, when Alana said to me that it was the plants and the animals that came up with that idea. So it's kind of like, it's just really important process for me to give, to give before I, before I take and to only take what you need. You know, that was like the other teaching that's really important is, you know, even when you're connecting to that plant and you just take a, take a little bit, what only what you need, or if you're picking for somebody else, you can take for them as well, like for elders or people that can't go into the meadows or the bush or wherever you are to, to pick medicine. So 
Yeah, it's just it's just about that reciprocity. Yeah. In uh, in uh, not just taking because you know which is kind of what our what the mainstream culture like there's a lot of that going on about just taking you know and and the greed and the all of the the overpicking and and things like that which you know starts to to deplete things almost entitlement to something or a response to be to take first like as a kind of you know the consequences of that i i i hear you i feel that um there's a lot we can learn always (laughs) from uh, these kind of uh, older you know kind of uh, cultures that are have been dealing with the kind of a care of practice and a care of exchange as their very being Uh, so i uh i think that's a beautiful kind of uh yeah segue kind of start for us into like just you know how you're setting up your space for this conversation and how i'm kind of able to be with you in that and to watch you do that and it feels like a lovely for me it feels like a really lovely unconventional and authentic way of beginning this conversation Yvonne so I'm I'm just I'm I'm delighted that we've um, had this exchange at the start so we we have so many things that we can start to talk about um beginnings of conversations um kind of introductions and I'm just uh already feeling quite different in my body for this interview and uh, which I am kind of cherishing at the moment and uh, and just kind of enjoying for myself but what I feel like is lovely about what we were just saying is already we're talking about collaboration and and interaction and a kind of care of interaction with the world around us um, and with respect for and appreciation for things that are already in our world and how much of that is for us, how much of that we were kind of like in a, in a relationship with these things that isn't about necessarily taking. And I, I just want to draw that into what you were saying about we take what we need, or we just, we work with those elements, not just for what we need in an entitled way, but having an awareness of what it is that we're taking and what it is that we're using it for. And I feel like that's a wonderful segue into collaborative work in um, artistic practice. I would I would very much like to know how you have been collaborating with uh, Santa Fe's Dancing Earth. And I, I would like you to talk a little bit about how that collaboration has evolved, um, had to adapt, what it's become, how you've been collaborating and how you're collaborating now on this project because I know it's there's such a wealth of information and insight there because it's been postponed several it's had to be postponed several times and it's moved and of course with that it's also it has more life in a sense because it's been through those different cycles and different um, kind of ways of being so I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that collaboration, however you would like to talk about it in ways that you feel is important for you right now to talk about. So back to mm-hmm. you, Yvonne. Thank you. Well, let's see. It's all started way, way back in, let's see, 1998 when I first met Rulan Tangen um, through, uh, I met when I was mentor- mentoring with Karen Jameson in my uh, third year of the Main Dance Professional Training Program. And uh, so 
Mulan was a wonderful, beautiful dancer, as every all of the dancers were incredibly inspiring in that project. Uh, I think it was called The River Home. So uh, Rulan and I really connected. She was kind of the kind of dancer that, you know, saw the apprentice in the room and, and uh, spent time with me. And, uh, you know, we did like warm-ups, warm-up exercises together and movements and different things, exploring different little movements and things like that. So right away, it was an instant connection for us. And uh, I really appreciated just the, the attention that she gave me and the teachings that, that she had given me. And I, I knew that she had a, an extensive career in New York. So I found that very exciting. I, w- I did go to New York for five days to, and I went to the Martha Graham Dance School every morning and then <laughs> went to art galleries every afternoon. I was at the University of Manitoba in visual arts, so that's where I started off. And then every evening we went to uh, dance performances and I saw my first opera there. So it was very exciting to be in the Big Apple and, and just to know that she had a career there uh, already was pretty intriguing. And uh, so... After that, we met at the BAMP, the BAMP Center for the Arts, the Aboriginal Dance Program, and there was two years that that we attended together, and one year was a creation phase, and then the second year was a production phase. So again, Rulan was like very, um, just very warm and loving kind of human being that just really really connected really well with with. Uh, many dancers on many levels and uh, so we spent that chunk of time together and then uh, we went back and to our own communities and developed our dance companies and uh, then I saw her again at the Talking Stick Festival and and then shortly after I think it was a year or two later she invited me to an international choreographers gathering in Santa Fe, New Mexico. She had, so she had brought indigenous people from all over the world, Australia, India, you know, all over Canada, the States, like there was just a, a, a huge amount of, of cultures there. And, uh, and what I loved about that process was it was all about seeds and plants and nurturing, you know, like that, that connection with mother earth. And uh, so I thought, well, what am I going to bring there? And I had always been really inspired by Christy Belcourt's Medicines to Heal Us. Uh, She had created a a visual art, a painting, and uh, I was just fascinated by this. And also uh, with with the knowledge keeper, Rose Richardson, who's from um, Saskatchewan, um, she knew a lot about um, plant medicines, and that's where Christy Belcourt went to her to for that information to create her her art, her her painting, and so so that I was really excited about. I thought, well, I'm I wanted to work. I had that book, and I had the painting, and I had this uh, tool teaching kit that I wanted to use, and I knew I want I hold held on to it for many many years, and, and and so this was my opportunity to begin using it. So then I was at the John Arcan Fiddle Fest in August. It was always the second weekend in August, and then I was going to just drive south to Santa Fe, and uh, so I, I had talked to my father 
earlier and to tell him the adventure that I was about to embark on. And my dad goes, oh, he says, well, your great aunt, your great aunt Zita was the uh, doctor, the healer of our, of the community, our community of Saint Laurent. And he started telling me different things that she delivered babies. And she, she, he remembered her, uh, taking some kind of a, he was just like five or six years old and she took some kind of plants and he scraped his knee or something. And he, and he remembers she put something on his knee and then the next day it was like literally gone. Like, so I, I was just over the moon hearing about that. And uh, I just felt even, you know, such a, a deeper, stronger connection and, and really felt like I was on the right path. And when, so when I went down there, it was amazing because we sometimes we were in the studio doing our warm ups and doing you know class in the morning, but the majority of the time we were out on the land and dancing on the earth, as as you can see, dancing earth. And uh, it, it was an incredible experience for me, just every day rolling around in sand and new new types of earth and experiencing new plants and we went on uh, a trip to uh, some some uh, areas close by and visited with a lot of the indigenous people from that area and uh, and there were some healers in there too and 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 the people were incredible and kind and uh, there was like there's a lot of healing going on also with some of the the uh, elders they they gave us some some healing um, words and insights into who we were as people, like individuals. And uh, so there was many, many experiences. And the other beauty was that every evening we sat together and people donated food from all over the place. So we cooked together and and we shared our cultures through story, song, dance, and music. And uh, so everybody, each evening, somebody took a turn to, you know, share, share. And so that was like the, the beginning of the, the collaboration. And, um, and so I could see how, how we were, everybody was working together, developing like smaller works, but then we wove them together like a sash and created this beautiful evening of, of work. So when I did my piece one thing that I really like is uh, sometimes I like I like humor, and so I thought, well, how can I bring out that humor in my dance piece? So I, I figured it. I figured out a few ways, and I had been working with a clown uh, with David McMurray Smith and doing some clown work, and um, so that that at the time that was really um, strong in my in in myself, and uh, and I was feeling more confident about you know, playing with different ideas and, and making people laugh at, at really silly things. So I incorporated some of that into the, into the, uh, into the work as well. And uh, yeah, it was just an incredible experience. And so then at the end of it, I just felt like, you know, here we were two artists that had developed their companies. And I thought, well, why don't we do, and I, and I really wanted to carry on with this Machif uh, medicines uh, theme. And so then I, I just was inspired to ask and she said yes. And so then I just applied for the funding and we received it. And uh, and then there's so much to tell. <laughs> I just I keep know. going on and on. But. It's good. It's great. But uh, two things that come to mind for me is I was going to ask why the title 
seemed so literal in, in, in parentheses, you put kind of come and dance in mischief, but with what you've just talked about, like to come and dance is actually, you've helped me understand uh, the, the weightedness, but in, not in a kind of heavy kind of uh, conceptual way, but more in this idea of what it means to dance. To dance means to share a culture. It means to, it means to share in aspects of self and a people. And to, to come and dance in mischief with all of this knowledge that you've just shared with us, all of this context you've just provided, it, it's, it allows for us to see that to say come and dance is to bring your whole self to the experience and that dancing, it, it for me, it helps connect dancing to the whole self. I think that's what I'm trying to say. And and that was just a beautiful way for me to say, you might read Come and Dance in Mitchiff, but now having heard this podcast, you'll understand everything you can put into that. So I just I just want to say thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Will the company be be here then with you? Are they are they coming are they performing with you in the space? Yeah, the the the, yeah, yeah. the dancers are coming in uh, May 26th, and then we go into rehearsal on May 27th. Yeah, and we're, so we'll be in the studio remounting the work for a couple of weeks, and then and then we when then we go into the theater for a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. So that's great. Really look at all the technical aspects, like what will happen when people walk in the room. For example, we have many ideas of uh, just what people, the sensory experiences that people will have when they walk into the room and uh, the visuals and working with sets and design is uh, something that that we're really excited about exploring. We've had many, many ideas over the years that uh, we'll finally be able to put into play. And that's exactly what we're gonna do is we're gonna play (laughs) in the theater for and then and then we'll make decisions as we play on um what what we will be uh sharing in the final piece in the final the final uh world premiere production not the final world premiere production (laughs) but in the world premiere production yeah Yeah, you have so much much to draw on so much to draw from it's yeah it's Mm -hmm. quite an exciting time yeah Yes. And, you know, all of those walks that we had when we were, you know, walking on the land, listening to the elders and the knowledge keepers share their stories and, and their their knowledge, you know, a lot of a lot of inspiration came from being on the land and being with the with the with these uh, knowledge keepers. And, uh, you know, the ideas just filtered. We have a big long list of ideas that, that we would like to explore. And uh, so those are the things that I'm really excited about, super excited. And I'm just so grateful for, for the Dance Center for gifting us the, this uh, technical residency. It, it's it, it's uh, really, really exciting for me. I can't wait to get in there. <laughs> Great. Can't wait to see what you do. <laughs> That's great to have a sense of um, the fact that the company will be with you in the flesh. You know, like the the collaboration will be felt live. You know, so that's great. Yeah, I know. I was like, I can't. It was difficult for me to to do it without them in the room, and I was like, yeah. you know, like 
Yeah. It's not an international collaboration if you don't have your international artists with you. With you. I know, <laughs> so, but with has been a whole, you know, with has meant so many different things over the last, you know, you know, couple of years, especially, I think, you know, we're kind of much more open to what that has to mean, you know. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited for the, for them to arrive. And uh, since the the majority of the choreography is done, Rulan's stepped down fr yeah. from dancing and she's sending one of her uh, Indigenous uh, dancers, okay. oh. Sarah Hogland-Guru. And uh, so she'll be dancing in her space. So we do, yeah. we will have like the conversations. Are you dancing as well, Ivana? Yes. Yeah. Okay. okay. Good. Yeah. yeah. Great. Yeah. yeah. And we have dramaturge and yeah. It's okay. And it's always it's always nice to keep the conversations going for the conversations not to stop. But you know, if you can, you know, like if time allows and pressure allows for the conversations to continue, it's always great if that can happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, the show is here. It's happening. So there's kind of it's the epitome of persistence resilience and patience I think <laughs> you know in the way that this has happened so I'm I'm very excited to see it um and to uh, yeah to experience this uh, collaboration um I wonder if we could uh talk a little bit about jigging <laughs> sure jump into always um, yeah, always yeah of course um, well why not and uh, what why wouldn't we I like that you talk about it as a a fusion of influences because that's something I can immediately relate to. I mean, I think, you know, contemporary dance is a, a fusion of influences um, anyway, especially now. But a question I have is how far away can one go from the fiddle music, the costume for what is happening uh, for the dance to still be considered jigging? Like, would you, because it seems to me like, the traditional side of it with the fiddle music and the and the costume is a big part of calling it jigging beyond the steps themselves. There's something about the relationship and the integration of those things that's really important. Um, and I and I'll get a little bit to your um, the way that you talk about uh, your contemporary dance training influencing and how that's influenced your body in in jigging. But as jigging would you say that it has to have fiddle music and, and there has to be a, a representation in the costume of tradition to call it jigging? Where do you, where, where, where is that for you? Well, <laughs> it might not matter. It might not matter. You might not, you know, but. Um, the first thing that, that I'll say to you is that costumes are for clowns. No. <laughs> uh, but you have clown training too. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, well, the costumes are for clowns. Costumes, uh, for the, I don't really use costume, the word costumes for our clothing and our outfits. That's how we, we refer to them as, you know, because they're traditional, they're, they're clothing. It's like every, you know, we still wear the, this clothing even at festivals and events and gatherings across the Métis homeland. So, so we don't put our costume on and and go out to an event we just put our our clothing on and our outfits on and we go we go to our events and um so i think like traditionally a long time ago i would imagine that if there there is a time oh it's making this question is making me think of many things so there's like you know of course the music is such the the heart and the soul of 
of the of the jigging. However, um, you know, there's such a thing as mouth music that you can just go. And so there's like mouth music. There's so I've used uh, I've used the jigging in a lot of the rhythms and the textures of the dance and the choreography. Is so it's it's almost like it's inside of me, and I search for like because our our uh, our Métis music is there's so many crooked tunes and uh, I love the term crooked. Yeah, there's yeah, yeah. yeah, me too. From John Arcan, the master of the Métis fiddle, I learned that from him, and uh, so so I like to work with kind of the, those kind of rhythms and textures, and uh, and of course the you know when I put my traditional outfit on, I really feel like that connection to like long the way that we danced a long time ago, and you know a hundred fancy steps and that just you know the beautiful long dresses and all the beautiful satins the silks the velvets the lace the the beadwork the quill work the you know like when you when you put this clothing on it just you know it brings me back to that time several hundred years ago it just puts me in another time zone and uh, that's what I love about it and then when I put my square dance outfit on and what you know what our contemporary there's so many square dance groups that are out there right now like our dances are like we have like our traditional Red River jig and then we have many many traditional dances like the reels and line dances like the reel of four the reel of eight La Danse de Crochet which is you know more, more contra dancing and you know polkas heel and toe polka uh, waltzes and those kind of things so when I put my square dance outfit and uh, a lot of elders and things with the clickers and stuff like that that's not part of our culture but you know that's where the young people are like really putting investing a lot of their energy in and and you know innovation and so there's kind of like a feeling of a strong feeling of creativity and uh you know creating uh different patterns different steps different influences from a lot of different genres it's pretty much like contemporary dance, like anything goes, you can really be like kind of and do that. And uh, so I think even in, in La Machin de Machif, we took some of the traditional choreography and we played with uh, with different ideas and, you know, like do, using different levels and and kind of some people may recognize, you know, some of the dances in there in the choreography, but some but some may not like so that was really exciting for me to uh, explore like even patterns and, and uh, rhythms and things like that. And just kind of mixing and blending them in into within the choreography. So yeah, it was really great to explore multiple, multiple ideas of how do you work with the jigging in contemporary ways. And I'm not sure if I answered your question, but (laughs) No, that's great. I, it's leading me into another thing, but I also just want to mention that I think thank you for saying outfit and not costume and for making, like bringing the humor out and costume costumes for clowns because two things happened for me there. And there's the one th- when you started to mention traditional 
clothing, like it's almost like it takes you to another time, like, and, and you feel like you're connected to another time. I think it made me think very quickly and flashing through why I use the term costume because of this idea of period and this idea of it representing a kind of a period of time. And so I think that's where the term is, is kind of where it's nice to call it an outfit, traditional outfits and get away from calling these things costumes because I just really appreciate the, I think that's a contemporary thing too. I think what it allows is for what you are wearing to not be, to connect you to another time, but not to represent that other time. And I think that's just, I just wanted to mention that because the body who's dancing it now, and this is a segue into your somatic work a little bit, is kind of changing the form a little bit because of their influences from present day in how the body itself is either formed and moves and is shaped and is influenced, you know. So I think that's just a, a nice way for to remember and to remind us when we're watching the work that we're also watching its presence now. And it's and we have these visual representations and these ties to the past that are so important. But as you said in the very beginning, it's also about um, kind of creating a space for moving forward with that information and allowing for the innovation to kind of speak to the past in a way we don't yet know. You know, so it's kind of got this kind of lovely one of those places where languaging becomes very important. Yeah, yeah. Well, I said costume once to my elder Maria Campbell, and that and that's what she said to me. Yeah. <laughs> she yeah. said it. I, do, I when I, when I say that, and and that's for the <laughs> traditional clothing, like for for contemporary uh, dance, we will be wearing costumes. <laughs> for there, we've got uh, Evan Ducharme, who's our yeah. our our costume yeah. designer, who's. Yeah. Who's creating some some pretty special, pretty pretty special, uh, I guess, costumes that that I'm really looking forward. To, you know, they should be arriving very shortly, and uh, yeah. So, and I think it's great because they're that's then, be really exciting. Yeah, in that situation, they are designed for this presentation. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's not that they are like representative of the culture they are for the presentation there's there's a concept in this work you know it's an artwork so you know costume is then tied to the artistic practice um which is a, a contemporary work so you know that's i think that's a really nice um way of bringing that in but also you do say i'm going to quote something that you put in a blog to the dance center was just about the infinity symbol on the Métis flag, if I'm quoting you on our Métis flag, one side representing our First Nations ancestry and the other side our European ancestry, each is distinct, yet when blended created a brand new nation. And then I want to tie that, well, you tie this actually in your blog, you say your relationship to dance is the same, um, that you have the one side of this, um, you know, kind of the traditional, and then you have the somatic practice and all of the contemporary dance practice that's informing you. And you say it beautifully where you say it allows an ease and freedom in your body as you perform the Métis work. And I just think that's a really, I wanted to capture that in this podcast because <laughs> I, I just think it's a, if you want to talk more about that, um, you know, you're very articulate with it in the words when I was reading about, and you've already mentioned patterning and imagery and those kinds of things but it goes deeper in terms of the kinds of images you know that come from Métis culture and then your own uh, connection to that through your somatic work so or your, or your contemporary dance 
movement training. Do you, would you like to talk to some of that? Sure. I think the first thing that I'm going to say is it is in terms of the word Métis, that is a French word that means mixed. And uh, my father never told me that he never heard that word until he went to school. And so he grew up self-identifying as Michif. And he told me that Michif means the people and the language, much like French, right? French means the people and the language. So you can relate it in that way, French from France, right? And uh, so it made, it made a lot of sense to me. And I think, you know, Métis has brought on a lot of confusion. Uh, and I've heard more and more over the years, especially in the East Coast, where like, you know, like in, you know, maybe Quebec and and farther east where people say, well, you know, I am, I'm Métis, I'm mixed, you know, like, but you need to, like, you can be for, you can be First Nations, like say Cree, for example, and, and Scottish, but you, you identify with the Cree culture. So, you know, Michif, Métis or Michif is belonging to a community. And that's really, really important is like, who, where are you from? That's a common question that people will ask. Oh, where are you from? You know, oh, I'm from Saint Laurent, Manitoba. You know, like where are you from? That sort of idea. So then you know, like what? There's a lot of diversity as well in the languages. There's no official, a uh, written way to to uh, to write the language. So you'll see different different uh, ways of writing because they're you know Michif people didn't say Michif French and Michif Cree and all la cross Michif and all these different terms uh, for the language. People just spoke Michif. And, uh, but now, you know, that people are kind of like looking at it and studying it. People are kind of classifying it as different things. And there's even more different things that I'm not going to get into that, but it's even more <laughs> confusing. But, um, but yeah, there's probably about five or six different, uh, different, uh, Michif languages that are out there. So just touching on um, that, I just felt like that was a little bit of important. Yeah, thank you. And uh, so, and then the flag, like the the First Nations ancestry, you know, can be Cree, Soto, Dene, um, Blackfoot, mostly the First Nations from the prairies area, yeah. like for the right. prairie prairie area, and that's really important. So, and then the, the 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 European can be, you know, French, Scottish, Irish, English, and Scandinavian, from what I've told, so that you can have different diversity in the in the Machif. Like some will have more French or Cree or French or Scottish or Irish kind of English kind of. Uh, ancestry and of course every when people get our people get together you begin to hear this everybody loves to talk about their family and their ancestry and that that all all starts to happen and uh so so there's you know nobody really knows how these how the mischief culture was created and formed but it was you know suddenly the strongest in the 17, 1800s, and, and uh, there was like 10,000 Métis in Manitoba alone, like around the time when when Louis Riel was uh, created the provisional government and legally, and, uh, you know, he was standing up for the rights of the First Nations, the European and, and the Métis people that were already in Manitoba, and that's why he created the province of Manitoba. But, like, there's a lot of influences from these different cultures, like, in the dance form itself, and uh, 
also I think about that too like what is the European influence like I love classical music I love you know traditional powwow I love the jigging I love like there's all like all these different influences and uh, these different rhythms and I can go back I'm a seventh generation Machif person so it's like Métis, 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 Métis but I do have like these grandmothers that are First Nations and uh I kind of feel like when I'm creating a work, it's almost like you just like I asked for the ancestors to come in and be with me today while I have this conversation. So it's like these these inspirations, are they the voices of the ancestors? Are they the, the knowledge of the ancestors? There you go, the the knowledge keeping, the, the elders that, that carry that that knowledge. And it's our our ancestors that, that pass us this knowledge and this information in in many mysterious ways like you can have all kinds of experiences like what in the beginning like we we took the international artists and we just walked on the land and you know when you say all my relations that means like it does it doesn't mean just your ancestors it means all your relations everything that you're connected to the kinship it's like the animals the plants the the medicines the the just the earth the stars the the sky the sky world like all of these everything that that you're connected to so you can draw we drew upon all of these different kinds of of influences like the plants and the animals like what kind of relationship do they have what kind of relationship do, do humans have with plants what kind of relationship does do plants have with the earth we can't ignore what our people have been through what indigenous people have been through like it's proven genocide now and you know we need to to look at that and and consider that and, and what effect did that have on our people? You know, why am I not connected to knowing my great, my great grandmother was the healer of my community? How come I didn't know that before? Right? Like, so there's that disconnect like that. We were pushed off our lands. People were living in the ditches and uh, we went through wars and uh, there was a lot of uh, disbursement and devastation that happened. I think getting back to the land is has been really the strongest influence for me like when we took the international collaborators dancing earth dancers to our homelands i would have loved to also bring them to manitoba and even alberta for that matter you know go up yeah. into the northwest territories like there's all these different kinds of medicines and and you know yeah. like also, and, and down into this, like, even in the States, right, in the Montana area and, and uh, South Dakota, you know, North Dakota, and, and that there in the Turtle Mountain areas, got relatives there, too. So, we've, you know, we don't have that border, really. So yeah. that connection to the in First Nations, Indigenous cultures, like, like, that's where our knowledge comes from. So honoring our grandmothers and all the medicines that they've picked in the and, and all of the healing that they've done through through the different plant medicines. So I felt it was really important, and especially Rose Richardson from Green Lake, who, who Christy Belcourt. Uh, 
yeah. got the got the knowledge and she was she wanted to be called knowledge keeper and so she she has an incredible story that I could, that that's amazing to share but just uh really grateful for her and you know Maria Campbell shared and we had Joseph Natauho who shared with us and even like personally it's like this connection to plants and plant medicine made me think about all the different experiences from on my my own personal journey, I, I started to recollect all these different medicine picking and connection to the land and uh, experiences that I've had over the years. And uh, just a lot of all that knowledge. And there was a lot of, uh, of, of inspiration that came from those experiences. And so I felt it was really important for like when I walked on the earth in Santa Fe, it's so different there. And, you know, you experience you know, we ran into a snake and, and we, we experienced like all these just different, beautiful um, landscapes. And I felt it was really important for the dancers to be in the, these different landscapes and and have that those connections with the el- with the elders and the knowledge keepers and and the land and uh, and the waters and the, you know. When we saw bears run, you know, we were able to actually go to an untouched script land from the 1800s. It was an old, it's a piece of script land really close to Batash on the other side of the river where where we were able to go. And uh, it was very interesting. The day before, the night before that we got there, a bear had came and jumped on the cottage I guess you could say and so there's these bear bear prints on the wall and yeah the woman that owns this land she woke up in the middle of the night to this bear banging on her on her uh, wall and then the next day we you know she just said you know be careful there's a bear (laughs) so but that that was such a gift like what medicine and then we were walking on these lands and there's like there's these different scientists and different like I don't know people who study study the researchers and that sort of thing that are very fascinated by uh, what's growing there and there's some some things that are really really old and um, so just looking just walking on that land in particular was really incredible and really beautiful and uh, and then we saw a couple of bears. I didn't see them because I had to bring this elder back. I walked with her and we saw some bear prints on the way. <laughs> and then while we were gone, the dancers saw these bears running across the, this big open meadow. And, and so wow. I missed seeing the bears, but all the dancers saw the bears. And Yeah, but, you know, bears are like our protectors and uh, good healing energy. So for these artists to come from Santa Fe and experience, like, like, wow. And even our videographer, who is Métis, we went to many different areas and different places around Saskatoon. And he just was like, wow, this was just such an incredibly rich experience, you know, like just really thanks me for creating this opportunity. And, uh, you know, and our elders are like our knowledge. They're they're like our universities, you know, they carry so much knowledge that it's just spending a couple of hours with them and listening to them talk about their life experience and sharing, you know, whatever they share like that is such an important element. And that, that, you know, those stories, you know, they go inside of your body and they live there and even seeing those plant 
actual plants, seeing those medicine plants, and then uh, and then asking the, the the dancers to embody these these different plants, and then so it's tactile. It's like that spirit of that plant, you know, offering that tobacco. We you know we every day, and what plants do you notice? Everyone is going to be different. Everyone is going to have different connections to different medicines, and you know the, those are the kind of things that that I hope people will take away from this is that, you know, we all, you know, our elders are saying we all need to get back to the land and learn how to live off the land. And, you know, what medicines are calling you? What, when you go walking through uh, the bush or the, or the forest or wherever, where there's plant medicines, what is going to attract you? I think that's wonderful because I, I feel like it's, you know, in, in a lot of my research, this idea of embodied wisdom has come up but also this this sense of like embodying wisdom almost is really you know kind of what and and wisdom in a sense of understanding that that wisdom doesn't belong to one person and that the idea of the knowledge keeper is somebody who is not it's not a power thing it's it's more as uh, or like a gatekeeper thing that is not the same term as a gatekeeper it's more that it's almost like chosen as somebody who can receive this information to hold information to pass on information. You know, it's almost like it feels like it's that. A in sharing. The yeah. It's the it's the situation in which that information can be shared um, amongst knowledge keepers or amongst, amongst people who will have the wisdom from being open to these conversations to then be able to embody it and use that information as they move forward to understand it, to embody it, to understand it. Mm-hmm. So I think I think that's that's what I'm getting from this sense of it's reminding me of the Louis Riel quote that's in your email signature. <laughs> um, <laughs> My people will sleep for 100 years, but when they awaken, it will be the artists who give them their spirit back. You have a great story of how that connects to you, how you felt an immediate connection to that quote in your own life. But I'm also just hearing in what you're saying the the layers of crossover when you receive the information about your great grandmother or your grandmother when you receive the information about the plants from certain places when you receive the information about the sky it all feels very connected to me to this idea of awakening like or needing the information when you need it like it comes to you when you need it and it has that idea of that cycle for me of awakening it almost like awakening this knowledge for the person who needs it and in this context, you are doing that through art making as well, because you recognize it as knowledge and as something that can inspire your work. So, and it's connected already to your work as an artist. So I just wanted to mention, I felt that looping happen in this conversation. Mm, yeah. It, and also this idea of belonging to a community, community being the, mac, the meta idea of community like not necessarily all, all, all people, but the fact that there's a, there's a searching, it's a journey to belong to a community that sometimes gets divided, diffracted, pulled apart, like has to be rebuilt. You know, there's something in that, in, in that, and the motivator to, to continue and to make sure that the community is, it can remain vibrant and vital is in that quest to belong to community there's a mm-hmm. I'm feeling I'm feeling that cycle of kind of resilience and persistence and willingness motivation 
um, to be in there to keep it alive. And I love the I love the elders being the university because of the oral traditions of it. The fact that there are so many languages, there isn't a written one written language. I think that kind of also disperses the idea of a university being in so many different aspects of a culture. I think it's really exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm constantly I'm constantly learning more as I meet you know all kinds of people all kinds of Métis people like that's the beauty of our people is that everybody's so full of stories and so and knowledge like you know I'm constantly learning from uh, different elders that I meet and different people that I meet and different dancers that I meet like there's diversity yeah. in in our dances and in in our culture and it's just like going down to that international that the international choreographers gathering where I learned so much about all these different uh, different uh, cultures and artists you know I'm still I'm still on that same journey with even my own people like you know I'm, I'm co- constantly running into things that I never that I never knew before and and there's always there's always room for growth and and uh, and yeah so that's what it feels like it feels like an ongoing this kind of ongoing journey that you allow it to be an ongoing learning process. And I think that's part of kind of contemporizing as well, (laughs) kind of the work, you know, being present in the work now, I think is like, I think we can't not be, I think in dance in some ways, but reminding that that's the journey we're on, you know, it's kind of, it is moving forward. It is innovating at the same time. I think we'll kind of, kind of wrap it up, although I don't want to, I feel like we should (laughs) talk to you about I could, I could listen to you for hours. We're having too much fun here. I know. (laughs) For a podcast, this is a nice way to bring it back to the uh, actual performances that will be happening in June. And I would just like you to talk a little bit too. I think it's great, the Sunday to Tuesday, which is unusual to have performances on those days, but it's significant. So could you explain that, please? Sure. Well, it's uh, National Indigenous History Month for the whole month of June. So it's very exciting to be doing this work during that time. And uh, also it's National Indigenous Peoples Day on June 21st. So so we wanted to make sure that that, that was our, our, our day. And a couple of years ago, it was going to be on a Saturday, which was really exciting. But now it's on a Tuesday. So so we're just backing up the three performances there. And uh, so then we thought, well, Sunday is going to be a nice day for like children or families that could come and and see the work and, um, you know, um, have a matinee and then two evening performances on Monday and and then we're sadly National Indigenous Peoples Day is not a holiday so I, I'm waiting for the uh, government Canadian uh, government to awaken and uh, allow so that uh, people don't have to like skip out of work or call in sick just to come in and, to, and be with us on our National Indigenous Day so it would be nice if uh that could be recognized as an as a national holiday, uh, much like Canada Day, so that so that people can participate. So that that's a you know a really important day uh, for all of us to acknowledge our resilience and uh, that we're, we are still here. We have a voice. We have stories to share. We have you know our our beautiful beautiful culture to share with the world. 
and with anyone who wants to be with us during during those three days. Thank you, Yvonne. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I think one other thing too is that the I'm really grateful for all the artists that are contributing to this work and uh, especially many of the dancers uh, who brought their own traditional plant medicine, you know, plant medicine knowledge to the choreography. So we worked a lot with, uh, with the dancers and, and, uh, and a lot of the choreography is developed with with the dancers so i feel that that's really important to acknowledge the dancers and uh you know we've been really really for- fortunate to to be able to have these dancers that are that are already coming especially uh, Peter Sal- Salazar and Esme Olivia who have brought their knowledge Madeline McCallum Alwahomie who have they're all bringing their knowledge and their experience with the plant medicines that they've 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 brought as well so yeah so I'm just really really grateful to all of the artists even uh, Gregory Kois who who has done the slow media and his he, his family and his traditions that that he shared with us yeah so just really that's just the the joy the love and the beauty of our culture is when we get when, when we get together and, and the indigenous culture is like those the the dancers from uh, that are indigenous like a lot of these medicines like they overlap and they're they're machif medicines but they're also they're also native american first nations whatever however you want to call it there's there's such there's such um similarities and um belonging to those those cult, those uh, different medicines are are all of our medicines and uh, yeah and and I'm sure that even with the world too there's like a lot of these medicines are part of other cultures as well as well and uh, that how do we how do we you know embrace them again in and this this time especially with covid and uh, with the delicate uh, the delicate delicate condition of of mother earth and what she is in you know like how do we get back to the land how do we take care of mother earth how do we take care of ourselves it's a huge question for all indigenous people you know after after all of the genocide the residential schools the the the, the displacement like how do we we reawaken to heal and to to learn that our culture is what takes care of us and what is going to you know bring us the healing that we need so this work has just really um and brought a lot of healing and and all this knowledge is uh, really beautiful i um when i go back to saint laurent so saint laurent now I, I, when I go on my ancestral land, I see, I'm like, oh, there's some rose, rose hips. There's this, there's this medicine, there's that medicine. And I'm so excited to go home and spend, spend uh, some time harvesting uh, in this summer and uh, yeah, and uh, continue my, my, what I know is going to be a lifelong journey of uh, getting to know these different plant medicines and and uh, how they can heal not only myself, but many people. Thank you so much, Yvonne. This is like, and thank you for bringing this to um, the dance center or to a space where we can also share in it and feel like, because there's that's a, that's a step that not everybody 
can take is in a position to take to to open that up and the knowledge up for us to be able to share in it in such a way so um i want to thank you for that yeah i'm going to say one last thing on that on that regard is that when louis riel was creating the province of manitoba he was well known like in many places around the world and he had that vision he was a really forward thinking thinker and he wanted to open up the world open up Manitoba to all cultures. And so he was already back then wanting to invite people of all, all cultures into, uh, into what, what was Manitoba at the time. So I think that that's really beautiful. And sometimes when I look at audiences and I see, or I go do workshops and I see, you know, or schools and I see people, I think about that. And I just think about like, what a, what a beautiful country that we have. And the, the, the richness and the diversity of all peoples and what we can learn from each other what we can learn from each other and what similarities that we have and like yeah what plant medicines do you use <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well i was thinking i used rosehip seed oil on my face so i was, yeah. I was actually happy that you mentioned rosehip because i was like oh yes i know one benefit for me purely yeah. vanity <laughs> so yeah yeah no, that's great. Well, thank yeah. you so much. I look forward to um, seeing the work, talking to you again. Um, so many things we could talk about, but this is um, some, there are some such serious uh, conversations in there. And the relationship to the land is obviously so complicated um, as well. And with this, you know, these stories um, and the and the history and genocide and all of these things as well. So I think there's a whole discussion around land in that you know responsibility for and accountability for ways of using land I think there's just there's so much but yeah well on that note I would just (laughs) after everybody listens to this podcast I encourage you just to go out for a walk in the forest or the bush and and uh you know look at all the beautiful plants and and they're, they're you know they're all your relatives they're they're there and uh just see them and, you know, you can talk to them too, if you want, and, you know, bring your tobacco. And if you, if you ever pick anything, just offer tobacco and, uh, and give them thanks and gratitude for, you know, whatever you take and, uh, yeah, go for a nice walk <laughs> <laughs> in the nature. Nature is so healing and our, our beautiful mother earth provides us for everything. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to breathe it in when I do get outside Mm -hmm. yeah so yeah thank you thank you so much for your time Yvonne thank you thank you thank you to the dance center uh for this incredible opportunity and uh really grateful for everything that the dance center has ever done for us I it's it's our second home home and uh we really appreciate like every moment that we spend there so yeah heartfelt gratitude to Mirna and and everyone that works there Thank you so much. Marcy, hi, hi, miigwech. Gukstjam. Thank you so much for listening. We would love for you to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts, as this will help other listeners find us and help us to grow our dance audience. We'll be back next month. In the meantime, you can follow us on Facebook at The Dance Centre, Twitter at Dance Centre, and Instagram at The Dance Centre BC. And if you'd like to support our work, please consider making a donation. Just go to our website at thedancecentre.ca, where you'll find extensive information about our upcoming programmes and events. 
The music for the Dance Centre podcast was composed by James B. Maxwell. Always a pleasure to connect with you through dance. Until next time. Thank you.